I love the letter, the lesson just read from the book of Numbers. Not actually because I'm particularly fond of its message, which I'm not, but because it gives me an opportunity to share with you <clears throat> one of my favorite inventions. <clears throat> the new improved version <clears throat> of my grumble meter. <clears throat> grumble meter. Uh, this is a kind of device I think would be would have been very helpful to God and Moses uh, before he took the children of Israel out into the desert. I mean, let me show you how it works. But I, I'm going to need your help. Can you all say, grumble, grumble, grumble? Grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, a little more? Grumble, grumble. Okay, now you got it, right? So, if God and Moses had had something like this, <laughs> before they headed out into the desert, they, they might not have taken this group at all. I mean, remember the story. Here they are, slaves in Egypt, being brutally beaten and forced to make bricks without straw. And God and Moses enable them to leave that situation and go out to freedom. And just after they leave Egypt, they arrive at the edge of the Red Sea. And what do they do? They turn to Moses and say, <clears throat> Moses, God, what are you doing? Have you brought us out of Egypt? <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> have you brought us out of Egypt just to have us drown in the Red Sea or be killed by the Egyptian army? I mean, it's just going over into the red line there. So Moses talks to God and Moses takes his shepherd's staff and holds it over the water. The waters part with a wall of water on each side. The people cross the Red Sea over on dry land. Now, <clears throat> I don't know about you all, but if that had happened to me, I would have been eternally grateful to God. Not these folks. Grumble, grumble. Hey, he's got it. <laughs> and what did they grumble about? You know, this is the desert, right? There's no water here. Are you, did you bring us out to die of thirst? So Moses takes his staff, hits it against the rock, and out comes crystal clear water. Wow, this God is really good to us. We're fine. And they go another two or three days and they realize they're hungry. Oh, Moses, we miss those flesh pots of Egypt. We miss... We miss our garlic and leek. Have you brought us out? Here we go again. Have you brought us out to starve? Have you brought us out to waste into nothing? 
So they get up in the morning, and all across the ground is this bread-like manna. And every afternoon, just on time, God flies in quail meat. What an array of delights. Not this, this group. Grumble, 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 grumble. So, no wonder God sends poisonous snakes to sh probably just to shut them up. <laughs> so, do we have to be dead to stop grumbling? First question. You know, grumbling isn't all bad, and we all do it. And sometimes it's helpful for leaders to find out what people are concerned about and for individuals to pay attention to what's going on in my life. The problem is not to get stuck with it. So, this is Lent, so I'm going to grumble a little bit. Growing up as a, a young man, I found myself marching and protesting a little bit, trying to stop things that I thought were very destructive and open the world to some things I thought was helpful. And every time I did that, there was always one or two or 17 of these people with this great big sign on top of a 12-foot pole and it always had written in it, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And they'd come up and like assault me with this sign. <laughs> have you been saved, brother? How about, have you been saved? I should have had a grumble meter to hit them back with. Eventually I realized, wait a second, they're talking about Jesus, um, yes, I've been saved. This is, this is the, the person who has room for everybody in his compassion. This is the God that created incredible diversity in the cosmos. Is this the kind of God that's going to turn me away because I want to take another path for a while? This path works for me. You know, that question, have you been saved, comes right out of this passage and a mistranslation. It doesn't say you'll be condemned, which is our translation but you will be separated. And if you're not going this way, you have separated yourself. And that's okay. You got all eternity to figure out if that works or whether you, you want to come home. So there's nothing wrong with a little bit of grumbling. It's the inveterate, non-stop, obsessive grumbling. So I want to say four things about grumbling this morning. 
Grumbling causes folks to miss the big picture, to focus on themselves. God came to save the world, the cosmos, and I am only worried about me, and it causes us to trivialize and sentimentalize. Sentim sentimentalize the faith. You know, you look out in this world and there are lonely people. You look out in this town, there are lonely children. There's injustice. And is it really helpful to focus our attention on whether the acolyte remembered to light the left candle or the right candle first, or that there might be a mistake in the bulletin. Grumbling can make us petty. Number two, grumbling focuses us on problems and looks for someone to blame while giving up hope. Fits right in there with playing victim. Healthy people and healthy spirituality know that there are good outcomes and resolutions and leaders who can bring people together to build community and make a positive difference. You know, there, there's a story about <clears throat> this group of people who looked up at the sky at one point and realized a lot of meteors were falling, that stars were falling. And some of them got worried and, and, and panicked and they stopped cooking dinner and plowing the fields and bringing in the harvest and it got really bad, so they finally decided to get together and climb up the mountain to talk to the sage. And the sage welcomed them and had them all sit down and look up into the sky. And they all agreed there were stars falling out of the sky. And after they had all agreed on that, the sage said, yeah, but seems to me there are even more of them that are still there. And he got them to think about God and all their blessings. And then said, you know, there are some stars falling, but don't you think we should get back to living and caring for each other? You know, I don't know exactly why Moses took that snake and put it on the pole. I don't think he wanted people to worship the snake. I think his hope was that if people looked up, they might be reminded about the God that wanted them to have an abundant life, a life of milk and honey,
Number three, grumbling presumes that we are all alone and that defeat is assured. Healthy spirituality focuses us on our relationship with God and other people. Get yourself straight with God and the world makes a lot more sense. Healthy spirituality knows that there is a God and that God always wins, if not today, then in the end. Issues will be resolved, problems will be solved, wounds will be healed. Not even death ends life. Listen to a short section of Ephesians again. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show you the immeasurable riches of his grace, in kindness towards us. Our faith is that victory is assured, even if we haven't experienced it yet. Finally, and number four, grumblers love the darkness. Also, I might add, parking lots, back rooms, talking over their shoulders, about other people. It is as if they've forgotten how to forgive and therefore can't move on. Healthy spirituality takes place in and looks for the light, looks for ways to open up, move on, and be healed. How did C.S. Lewis say it? The doors of hell are locked on the inside. The doors of hell are locked on the inside. Folks in that box have chosen to be there and stay there. And so in that third chapter from John, Nicodemus comes in the night full of fear Immediately, Jesus points him to God and the heaven and light. But he can't find his way there. He gets confused. We need to keep looking for that light. Now, I'm not preaching this sermon because you are such inveterate grumblers. That's not my experience of you at all. But all of us do here in our heads and in our companionships some grumbling. Listen to it. What can it teach you 
about what you need to do, but don't get stuck. That's where it gets destructive and draws you into the hopelessness. The good news is that we're halfway through Lent. The grumbling about sin and the darkness is half over. We can see the light of Easter at the end of the tunnel. Let's remember that. The good news is that the mess out there reminds us that we've paid too much attention to the winds of the world, that we need to pay attention to God's community and justice and peace. The good news is that there is a God who loves us and wants to lead us into better pastures in the promised land of abundant life. The good news is that God may lose battles and skirmishes, but always wins the war. The good news is that God has given us a multitude of companions on this journey. And as we are reminded every Sunday, glorious music to sing along the way. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.